Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. Welcome, and this is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. Chaz Wellington's going to be joining us from Las Vegas for our first on-location interview in almost a year. Things are starting to get a little bit back to normal. We still need to play it safe. But he's going to be talking about Area 15, not 51, 15. We got that confirmed. So we'll let you know what that is. We're also going to be doing a review of some more books, Star Wars books specifically, and talking about an Adam Savage Builder Workshop that Jeremy had a chance to go to. So that's coming up a little later in the show, as well as some programming languages to avoid. If you're getting out there and you want to get into the industry, there's some great languages to learn that'll keep you going for a long time. But there's some that you also want to just put on the back burner. Send us your questions, your comments, 503-766-6264, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. Today's news is brought to you by Cedar and Stone in Old Town Sherwood. Come see us for all your gift needs, as well as indoor plants and home decor. So what's in the news? Square Cash app vulnerable to hackers. I've never heard of this. Can you explain? All right, Square Cash app is an application that's used for uh, transferring cash. Square is a company that was one of the very first ones to allow you to be able to accept credit cards and transfer money and all that using a smartphone. So they're out there. A lot of places use them. I see them in restaurants. I see them in other places. Oh, Comic-Cons. Yeah. We've seen them at Comic-Cons. Okay. uh, Yeah. Well, you you see them, you know, I've seen them in estate sales. Uh, Oh. It's just, it's it's very widely used. Now, I know that early on I had my own concerns about Square because they were capturing the credit card number uh, electronically with audio and saving it to the phone, and it didn't seem like that was terribly secure. And it turns out their app is definitely still having some problems in the sense that hackers are getting into it. There was a report here where a lady went to bed one night and she woke up the next morning and all her money was gone, and then she is having a very hard time getting a hold of anybody at customer support to deal with it. Oh, that's so just something to be aware of. And one of the best things that can be done with this, I have to accept payments. I don't use Square, but I use I do accept payments online using a competitor to Square. And even with that, I keep it in an account that has a minimal amount of money and I move the money out of that account every time a large amount comes in. So it's just a good idea to keep that separate from the rest of your banking. Okay, this this kind of affects our group of pals who do uh, online gaming. Microsoft in talks to buy Discord. Yeah, and it's not coming cheap. They're talking about $10 million as the uh, purchase price for this. Uh, I'm sorry, $10 billion with a B. And, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's quite, uh, that's quite the chunk of change. Discord is an application that's used for online chat. What the gaming community uses it, we use it, as you were saying. And it's something that's out there. There's other things that you can do with it, but it's primarily for that purpose. It does audio, video, that kind of thing. And it is unique to that community. I don't know how people are going to react to this. I do know that from our own team, there's going to probably be some people that aren't going to really like this. And uh, it's just, you know, it's Microsoft being involved in this. I could kind of see where they're wanting to do this, probably for the Xbox platform to have a way to be able to interface. That makes sense. You know, bring something online that uh, a lot of people already use. And Microsoft, for the most part, is expanded by acquiring technology. So this would be with their game plan. But again, that's what's going on here. Radio Shack plotting a comeback. So we all remember Radio Shack. If not, they were a store that was in almost every mall in the country for a while. 
where you would go and buy electronic parts and gizmos and that type of a thing. They went bankrupt a few years ago and kind of have disappeared. And they are talking about doing a a comeback with an online store. That makes sense. You know, where you can order through an online catalog. And some brands that we have lost as retail stores do this. I know Circuit City. You can go to circuitcity.com and order online. And it is somebody's purchased the brand, but it's the same brand as what was the stores. So this isn't something that's that terribly unusual. And Radio Shack was kind of a cool place. They just didn't keep up with the times. So hopefully they'll be able to do this and be successful with it. Facebook is planning an unusual watch. Yeah. So do you? how do you feel about Mark Zuckerberg being able to read your mind? I don't like it. Not one bit. Yeah, that does seem to be the feedback. This was our Tech <laughs> Wednesday last week. So uh, some of you have already heard this story. And... It kind of gets a little weird. Facebook wants to do a smartwatch. Now, Facebook is obviously the social media company, but they're a big company. They do a lot of other things. And they've tried to do different stuff. They crashed miserably trying to do a Facebook phone. They've done pretty well in the Oculus segment for virtual reality. So it kind of just depends on where they're going with it. But this watch, the idea is at least that it would actually be able to read your neurons and control computer devices you think it, it controls it, kind of, kind of almost like an external cybernetic thing. And the idea here is, is how much privacy do we really want to give up to Facebook? So far, it's been a lot, but this kind of takes it to the next level in a way. Yeah. According to Facebook, they're not going to use it to read your mind uh, or you know just monitor for thoughts that are relevant to it and then react upon them. But uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a lot of ways that could go wrong. And, <laughs> you know, I write science fiction. So, <laughs> yeah, whether well, this is headed, I mean, you know, you think about it, but uh, I don't think the tech's available for this just yet. Although we are starting to see tech for things like artificial limbs and that kind of thing where you can control it through your nerves. So that's right. certainly the first step in a direction like this. So it's not that far off, maybe. But, no, um, it's not. A lot of science fiction pretty much heralds new technology. Yeah, it does. It does. So it'll definitely be interesting to see where this goes. But I can definitely, you know, having my smartwatch monitor my steps and some things like that, I, I think I'm okay with that. But actually monitoring your thoughts? Hmm. Now, we'll that has... Uh, <laughs> new triplane would make the Red Baron proud. Yeah, so you know a little bit about the Red Baron. Tell us who the Red Baron was. Well, he was an aviator, kind of like a pioneer aviator in World War One, And uh, that was the first war where they really used aviation as uh, a tool. Um, in the Civil War, they used balloons, but by the time... Uh, the world got to World War One. They were using balloons and aircraft. And the Bread Baron flew a plane called the Fokker DR-1 fighter. And that plane had three wings. And yeah. from my understanding, was extremely difficult to fly. Yeah, uh, the wind control. would push it. So, however, they're bringing it back. And the new one looks kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, it's yeah. a passenger jet. And it uh, has a... Uh, it's electric, it's, isn't yeah, electric, it? And it has a prop in the back instead of the front, so that's one difference. And it hmm. has three wings, so we'll have to see how far that goes. I uh, uh, don't mind new technology, but you know, I do think I'm going to let someone else try this first. Well, I would think they'd need to perfect it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're talking about the debut of the all-electric version in 2030, 
So we're okay. going to be about eight, nine years off still, but still, you know, that's coming right up. It can accommodate 18 people and uh, it's being built by the British. Oh, okay. Mission to clean up space debris around Earth is poised to launch. And I've been waiting to hear this for years because yeah. I think it's a problem. A few years ago, when we interviewed the uh, guy from NASA, he talked about the Kepler mm-hmm. effect, and that is the concern that something in space, and we've seen this in some sci-fi movies too, where something goes uh, out of orbit and essentially crashes and then hits another object and hits another object and creates a huge problem. And space debris is really a thing. I mean, there this is a big deal. And as companies like Amazon and uh, SpaceX and some of these others are launching just lots and lots of satellites, it is a concern because this could create a situation, and this is what they're concerned about, where for about 100 years we can't launch it in space because there's so much debris in the way that you can't get through it. Yeah. So what they're doing is they are setting up a mission that is a test mission that's going to go up and try to get something out of space and see if uh, if this is something that'll work. The mission's called ELSA-D, E-L-S-A-D, and the idea is that it's going to capture an object in low Earth orbit and move it to a lower altitude where it will fall back in and then burn up in the atmosphere, and that's the end of the debris. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, we rely more and more on satellite technology. Space junk orbits at a speed of about 18,000 miles per hour. So if something hits something else, that can definitely think about if you a car hit you going that fast. I mean, there'd be nothing left. In yeah. orbit, it's the same kind of thing. And some of these things that are orbiting are things like nuts and bolts mm-hmm. and really small debris, but it certainly can cause a lot of problems. It's like a large bullet flying through the air flying about to air, hit yeah. your, your space station. You know, that's not good. <laughs> and. Uh, one of the other things they're talking about do is creating spacecraft going forward, satellites, all this kind of stuff that uses magnetics so that it can actually be retrieved and it's designed to come back. So, you know, I think they are thinking about this, but even once that gets set up, they're going to have to deal with, you know, what's already out there. This is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We got some books to go over, and then we are going to talk about a maker workshop. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome back. Hello. So, Jeremy, the first one is a book that you read, and I know this is Star Wars. Uh, Thrawn or something? Uh, tell us about what you got. What is, first of all, what is it? <laughs> okay. This is the book that I read, and now we've got his opinion. All right. It's the Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by Timothy Zahn. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, if you enjoyed Star Wars, if you enjoyed Timothy Zahn, if you enjoy the character of Thrawn and his um, you know, artistic examination of life and his complete inability to follow politics, uh, you're going to really enjoy the book. Really, okay. it was. There's lots of action. There's lots of Thrawn being uh, obnoxiously smug about being right. Um, <laughs> and then the, we got the book. Uh, I don't know if it's special in the fact that the pages are blue. 
or not, but uh, I really did enjoy the blue pages. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I didn't bother to mention that okay, last so the, time. <laughs> the paper color is blue that it's printed on. So if I'm it has, the, the edges, it's it's edged in blue. So oh, when you blue. look at the book, when you look at the book from the side, it's blue. And he's blue, so that yes, kind of makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the chiss people are blue. Yeah. No, that's cool. All right. So so Jeremy, do you have anything else to tell us about it? It sounds like it, you're recommending it. Uh, I definitely recommend it if you like I said, if you like Thrawn, if you like Timothy Timothy Zahn, if you enjoy Star Wars, it's a good book. Okay. All right, cool, cool. All right. And so, well, we haven't I went and grabbed another Star Wars book because it's just been one of those things where it hasn't seemed like there's been that many out lately. Right. And so we were walking through, uh, what it was at Target. Mm-hmm. And um, this this book was sitting in what I would call like the teenager section of the books. Okay. And, and I've read, um, uh, what is it? The book by, um, it was a series of books by Jason Fry. And it, it focused on Zier, Zier Leonis. And that was from the Rebels series. And that, that was for kids. And it was well-written. So I'm not afraid to pick up kids' stuff. Right. Okay? So anyways, um, there's been a lot of controversy going on about the High Republic. And I, I'm trying to keep an open mind. And I saw the name Claudia Gray. And I've read before some of Claudia Gray's books, or at least one of them, that I really liked. And I believe that was bloodlines Mm, right and so i thought hey i'm gonna pick this up because i like i liked her work okay so here comes the sad part i haven't finished the book and i'm having a hard time getting into it and there are some things about this book that i don't know i just it's just not singing right to me and um like for instance uh there's a character named geode and i hate to say it the geode character is pointless and almost feels like a joke upon Star Wars fans, like like we're all stupid, like we'll we'll accept anything as a character. Um, I know that sounds pretty harsh, but it, it, it's I don't know. I, I'm it's not, a rock. It is a rock. It's a very large, flinty gray rock. And so far it doesn't do anything. No. Okay, the, the, character, the characters talk at it. Right. And um, from what I'm understanding, uh, Jeremy snuffled around, looked for other information on this character. It's not even a real geode. You know, a geode is a rock that when you break it open, it's full of crystal. Right. Well, you know, maybe if this character had been made out of kyber crystal, that might make more sense. But uh, the Jedi are not acknowledging this this rock as being special or anything. They kind of look at it like, what is it? And that's my other big, really big issue, is that the Jedi characters um, do not relate to me as being Jedi Knights. They don't use their own connection to the Force uh, hardly at all. And they seem self-absorbed, frightened, and selfish. Uh, They are chaotic and seem poorly trained and I don't know I I would have thought that they were the bottom of the pile of the Jedi in this era okay but in the story uh, these characters are referred to as ooh Mr. so and so or she's really top notch and special and I don't really feel like they're knights 
they don't feel like they have any training. They just don't feel like knights. And it's very disappointing. So I'm not sure if I am going to finish this book. You have to let us know how it goes. I, I just say just one thing, and it's that character name makes me think of Big Bang Theory. Geo. Exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, Geo. Geo. You know, when, when Sheldon was drunk and yes. calling Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm getting from this, this whole concept. It just sounds weird. So. All right, well, you'll have to let us know what happens with that. And right now it's sounding like you're not recommending that book. But to move on here, Jeremy, you did another builder's workshop. Yep. uh, Silicon Valley has actually several different uh, maker workshops that they've been doing for their Comic-Cons. And I thought, you know, this one was the uh, faux leather arm guards workshop. And I, I needed some arm guards for the character I'm doing. And so I got, I bought a set for myself and I bought a set for Gretchen so that we could watch the video together and work on them. And it's another one of those things where the box arrives and it's got everything in it. You don't need to go out and purchase additional materials. It's got all this stuff. Right. So for um, anybody and, that doesn't know real quick, what these are is the Silicon Valley Comic Con now called Silicon. Uh, Adam Savage has taken this over and he's an, just an absolute genius when it comes to making things. And he's put together these workshops, and they send out the stuff. You sign up for it, and you get a video. Anyway, take it from there. Okay. So this one was done by uh, Spicy Tie Design. And the uh, guy who ran the video's name was, and I'm going to butcher this, and I apologize a whole lot, Sanit Clam Chanwan. Okay. I, I, I know I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, but he, he's from Australia, and he was doing this, this video. And he's, you know, they, they send you all these foam pieces because it's faux leather. So you have foam and you, you, you just, you follow the workshop and you can build these really nice little gauntlets. I'm going to change my design a bit and we'll put up some photos when we get them done. All right. Well, Jeremy, it was really cool. Thank you. And you have to we'll look at the photos. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, and this is the section of the show where we answer your questions. Send us to them on social media, one user-friendly on Facebook or userfriendlynation.com. This segment today is actually going to be all about one question that came in, and it has to do with programming languages and which ones are dying and which ones are good to learn. So the question actually was, is I'm planning to get into the information technology industry and would like to become a programmer. What languages should I stay away from? Now, Gretchen, I know that some of these are going to be pretty obvious. Uh, You (laughs) know, some of the other ones, maybe not so much. But here is a list. And now this is based on my own experience, just with some of these that are out there. And then I'm going to talk about some that are, you know, maybe to get into. The first one on the list, and I think it takes position number one because it is very widely used still as Perl. Now, this is a language that we saw a lot of in the beginning of the internet that was used for doing a variety of different things server-side. It is definitely still out there. There's definitely a call for it today. But new hires for this have dropped about 10 positions on Monster.com and those type of lists is what people are looking for. So it's one of those ones that is kind of disappearing. Another one that surprised me a little bit is Object C. And this is a 35-year-old language that's been around. It was developed in the 1980s. 
Swift has kind of taken over for it. It was used for Apple phone apps, and it still is today, but they've moved to the Swift language and are kind of pushing in that direction, so you're starting to see it disappear. So if you want to develop for Apple, for the iPhone, and that type of a thing, learn Swift, do that first. If you do some Object C, it would be to have it kind of as a background, but it is something that is definitely you know, disappearing. Two other languages, which aren't ones that you may have heard of, is Haskell and CoffeeScript. And these are two languages that we've kind of seen out there. They kind of had their day. Haskell was a kind of a functional programming language would be the best way to describe it. It's kind of disappearing. Are you saying Pascal or Haskell? Haskell with the letter H. Oh, okay. Pascal went away a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I know. So I was just curious. Haskell did work with the internet, and uh, it had grid reliability. It still does. It's just something that's kind of disappearing, not a lot of support for it. Replacing it are newer languages such as Go and Python. I don't know if I consider Python a newer language, but it is definitely still out there. And then CoffeeScript was a programming language that worked with JavaScript, but you can do everything on the modern version of JavaScript that you could do on CoffeeScript. So if you see it out there, it's going to be because it still exists in an environment, but it's not something that's disappearing. I have a question for you. What's going to happen with these uh, legacy systems? Well, Uh, you know, we're languages that are old. And our next one actually kind of goes along with this because it's been a problem. Okay. That's COBOL. Uh And uh, it's one of the oldest languages that are out there. But that is a good question because you still have these things deployed and they are still being used. It's just not new deployments that are using them. So if you work in this area, it's going to be because it's something that's still out there most likely. And like today, they're not deploying new COBOL systems. I mean, it's not something you would see. Maybe, but very rarely. But where they're needing programmers is the programmers that did COBOL are retiring or have passed away. And it's still being used. So there's maintenance and that type of thing. In fact, I've run into a project with this that I'm dealing with right now that we're trying to replace COBOL code with a newer system. But we've had to find someone that can do the COBOL to be able to move data over and do some other things. So that is an issue. And it's a very good question. But um, it is something that's out there. So, you know, finding this stuff and backup. But again, it's not worth learning it necessarily. Because if you do, you might get a job for a little while. But it's not something that is uh, is going to be too terribly popular. Last one on the list of what not to learn right now is VisualBasic.net. And really the .NET framework, I think it's still out there, but it's going away. But uh, this is a Microsoft product, Visual Basic, all of that kind of thing that was used for a long time for web-based applications. And we're seeing this replaced with things like C Sharp. And one language that is still holding its own, and there's definitely a lot of call for, is PHP. And that is the other programming language that's out there that works on the server side that is something that maybe definitely look into. I have a question. Yes. Um, uh, when I was going to school back in apparently now the Stone Age, um, we had something called Basic. Do they have a new language that they 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 begin to teach kids? Well, ultimately, Basic became Visual Basic. Oh, so that's okay. originally where that went from there. Visual Basic being a kind of a, a visual way to be able to do the bank, uh, Basic language. Now in schools and that type of thing, they're doing a lot more kind of late things like C-sharp and other languages like that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, reporter on the ground in Las Vegas, Chaz Wellington. Chaz, welcome. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? It's been a while. It's been a while. You're actually somewhere, and we're going to talk about it. It's first time in a year. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, man. So, it's good to be back. It's, you know, how are things going down in Las Vegas? I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording that things are reopening a little bit. Yeah, they're much better now. They are uh, at 50% capacity now instead of 25, so we've got a lot more lines open. We've got a lot more gaming spaces reopened. Uh, restaurants are now able to accept guests without reservations. And, of course, our capacity increased as well. Um, and on the bad side, there's still, I think, 13 properties that have yet to reopen in Nevada. Oh, but for the most part, we're back in action. Well, I'm glad to hear stuff's coming back up. I think all over the country, we're going to have lost a lot of businesses due to this thing. And, uh, you know, it's just it's good that at least we're going back in the right direction. On that line, I know, um, I, I was told at least, uh, that you're out at Area 51. How did you get out to Groom Lake? No, no. Well, I <laughs> wish it was Area 51. <laughs> I don't think I'd be talking to you right now if I was there. <laughs> I would either be taken by suits or I'd be taken by something else, right? Yeah, there you are, <laughs> so, there you are. Actually, no. <laughs> I'm a, right, no pun intended. We're on, we're on Area 15. It's right off the I-15 okay. here uh, in Las Vegas. All right, so what is Area 15? Um, aside from painting and uh, just all out phenomenal, it's, it's, Area 15 is a 200,000-square-foot experimental entertainment and retail complex Okay, with amazing experience. So what is an experimental retail complex? What's different about it from other stuff? Well, you know, experimental entertainment. So they have a lot of different uh, artworks here including pieces such as the uh, kinetic art car by Henry Chang, okay. which you won't see anywhere else. It's a 12-foot skull with an amazing show of various patterns of light upon it, so it changes. And like in a portal, a portal event space, in which the massive room walls are transformed into various scenes, such as a jungle. Now, this entails a three-minute projection show. Okay. There's phenomenal pieces of art which can be enjoyed from the moment you arrive in the parking lot all the way through the venue. All right, so how long has Area 15 been there? I mean, this is a fairly new uh, thing, isn't it? Yes, I believe they opened in uh, January. I'm, I don't know the exact date. Okay, so that's really new. That's like open. in the last couple of months. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, you know, but, you know, there are multiple areas to eat and drink, you know, including the Beast by Todd English, you know, which I had a great serving of hot wings. Oh, wow. And, you know, in the center of the property, under the glow of a digital forest, it's a bar, which is great. I don't know. I mean, this this sounds incredible. So is there an admission fee, or are you just allowed to walk through? Um, there's a general admission inside the building is free. It's the experiences that you pay for. So if, as an example, there's virtual reality experiences, such as you know, VR setups in which you can lay down, face down, and move the supports like a bird. And you could fly through oh, wow. uh, the city skyline or a Jurassic Park scene. The okay. second is a room in which up to four people can participate at a time, and this is exciting, in a strategically virtual escape room. And, you know, when you get in there, you have to have up to four people, and you have to get out of the escape, escape room, but virtually. Oh. You know, so when the user-friendly team is here in Las Vegas, we'll have to do that. You know, we're, we're, we're actually talking about this a little later in the show, that we're actually going to be down there as long as it's safe to do so for the Star Trek convention in August. 
So when we do that, I'm right. going to have to check out virtual uh, escape rooms. I love the real thing. Uh-huh. So this sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, the technology behind something like this, you were talking about a, a digital forest canopy. Uh, how? Yes. Do, so is this like a big screen overhead or how does that work? Okay, so you have the bar in a rectangular fashion. And in the middle of the bar, of course, you have the area for the bartenders, but in the direct middle is literally a like a, a little can of, like a little forest. There's an actual digital tree in the very center. It's probably 17 feet, 20 feet tall or more. Oh, wow. And it's just amazing. It changes patterns just like the skull. Okay. That just, I, this whole thing sounds just incredible. And uh, we'll have to get oh, you to take not, not, Yeah, not to mention the roller skating rink outside, um, the Mega Mart, the Owl Wolf. I mean, even eating here is an experience under the canopy. Okay, so, okay I know what a roller skating rink is. Uh, Medi- uh, Media Mart, let's talk about that. Oh, Mega Mart. Yeah, Mega Mart is one of the, uh, uh, it's sort of a, trending march where you can buy specialty items. Okay. And they have very unusual items, I could say. Just looking from the... Uh, I've been in there once. I looked around. But odd-shaped uh, apples. They have, you know, special root beers. They have just a whole variety of things. Okay, so just unique stuff that's kind of fun to walk around and you won't see anywhere else, it sounds like. And Absolutely. And this, did I mention this point... Did you mention, I'm sorry, did you mention the what? The zip line. No, you have not mentioned a zip line. We were at roller rink. There is a zip line in the, yeah, it traverses the entire area of the, of the, of the floor. Oh, of course, God. above. But <laughs> it's yeah, a great experience. That sounds incredible. That sounds like, you know, for I lived in Las Vegas, what, 20 years ago now, and I know it has just changed 180 degrees since then. And stuff like this is just really cool. It's why you go down there, because you have something that's very unique and very different from anything that you'd see anywhere else in the world, really. And uh, Absolutely. No, it just it just sounds like this whole thing's a lot of fun. So we've got about 30 seconds. What's unique about eating there? The presentation of the food. Okay. You get your hot wings on sticks that are coming out of a plank of wood that looks like it just got cut off of a tree. The presentation of the clams and the the um, noodles, whatever you get from the beast, is delicious on its own. But the presentation is what's important. All right, sounds. I, I mean, this just sounds absolutely incredible, Chaz. I know that you're working on a project too with virtual reality. So you know, it's a lot of fun to see how this is kind of coming into its own. And what I'd like to do is invite you back in a few weeks so we can talk about your project. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right, Chaz. It's going to change the world. We're looking forward to it, and we'll leave it with that as a little bit of a tease. Chaz Wellington, thank you for joining us. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, Gretchen, it's always interesting to hear about what's going on in Vegas. It's changed so much since we lived there. Oh, it's an ever-changing place. My my parents had gone down there, and I have photos. 
And what it looked like when they were down there to visit looks nothing like what it does today. I know when Kaz was uh, doing his interview just now from Area 15, that's a whole new complex and, you know, kind of this art market type thing, which is cool. But they have uh-huh. a Ferris wheel. Wow. They have all kinds of different things. A lot of stuff has changed and it's just going to be very interesting. And later this year, if we get to go to the Star Trek convention, we're going to get to see it. And cool. what are you thinking? Are you looking forward to the possibility of actually getting out again to do something? Uh, yeah, certainly. I am like, I have the ultimate cabin fever. Yeah. Um, it's to the point where I'm making, you know, like soup from scratch because I'm so bored. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, I hear it's good soup. So there you are. It, it was really good soup. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know a lot of us are looking looking forward to things. Jeremy was saying this too, and a lot of your questions, you know, everybody's ready to kind of go back and just uh-huh. get life back to normal. And, you know, we have a couple of events coming up. Now, the San Diego Comic-Con, July 23rd to 25th, is going to be virtual again this year. Uh, they've got some stuff coming up, and they're talking about doing something in person this fall. So we'll see what happens. I don't have the details on that. But right now, planned for in person is the Star Trek convention, August 11th to 15th. It's the 50th anniversary. And uh, that's in Las Vegas. I know we're looking forward to that. Hopefully it will actually go. And yeah. a shout out uh, to William Shatner, who just turned 90 this week. Yeah, I saw a post on, uh, I think, Twitter or something like that. That was cool. So he's still going <laughs> strong. So that is really cool. Happy birthday, William Shatner. McMinnville UFO Festival, September 23rd to 25th. Now, this is not one we've been able to go to yet. We were going to go for the first time last year. It got canceled due to COVID. So if it happens this year, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Jeremy's already got a costume. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about what I want to do. I, I, if I don't do anything else, I might show up as an alien character like a Wookiee. Oh, yeah. I guess really I could do something like that, too. Unusual, yeah. Mm. You know, it's uh, <laughs> One thing about September in Oregon is it's not so hot, so doing the Wookiee suit would be a little bit more um and it would be outside, right? Yeah. Isn't this a part outside, part inside? Yeah, it's part outside. Then- Minville, Oregon, a lot of it's outside. There are some keynotes and things that are done inside, too. But uh, any way you look at it, it sounds like it would be a really fun event uh, just to get out and see something that's completely different. And then finally, we have the Emerald City Comic Con, which is planned for December 2nd to 5th. Now, that one's going to be interesting because December is rain time in Seattle. and. Uh, being in the convention center would be fine, but things like walking from the parking lot to the convention center, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> so anyway, we'll keep you updated on all this kind of stuff. Keep us updated on what you're doing. 503-766-6264. One user-friendly on Facebook. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.